When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar, along with ESPN's Courtney Cronin out here live from inside the Viking ship. No, just, just kidding. We're in a cafeteria. Uh, but a week, Courtney, that we thought might have some really fascinating storylines, but that was brought to an end when Aaron Rodgers was placed on injured reserve. Which was no surprise whatsoever. He's a Hall of Famer down the road. I was watching that game on Monday night, kind of just counting down, like, man, can I go to bed? Like, so we can, can we just get the thing over with? Like, get them eliminated from the playoff contention, and then, you know, hopefully right then and there, Packers.com releases Aaron Rodgers to IR. So, obviously, we had to wait a little bit longer for that, but that was no surprise whatsoever um, that they made the switch. And, yeah, you know, if you're if you're looking at this game in in, in terms of the rivalry, does it potentially – lessen it a little bit the competitiveness of the game I don't know but I think that you want this game to be at its peak this is one of the better rivalries in the NFL according to Mike Zimmer the Vikings really haven't been you know he, he's like we need to get back in this to call it a rivalry which I'm sure we'll get to but I think it's one of the best rivalries in the NFL um, they hate the Vikings the Vikings hate them fans that is um, but yeah no I mean it's it's definitely been the week has turned uh, I think we knew in week six that this could potentially happen because we knew when Rodgers was coming back and all the playoff implications. So, yeah, here we are. And a lot of the intrigue comes from Aaron Rodgers versus Mike Zimmer, and now that's taken away. Last week against Cincinnati, and I especially noticed this when I was going back through the tape, the Bengals did not say um, give 110. <laughs> <laughs> Or put it that way. Yeah, that was definitely like a 70%. Maybe even less than that. But can you blame them, dude? Like, look at the – I don't care what anyone says. These are players. These are human beings. You find out a report from a pretty credible source comes out that your coach is done after the season, even though it it is the inevitable that he's not going to get fired. They're just going to part ways. That's a – that's a mind like that that messes with your mind at that point and before that you have no linebacker depth whatsoever you're basically going to be you know on thin ice there see so, so you already had the chip stacked against you i'm can you blame them i mean in reality can you blame them like 
Yeah, and then it was, it was all bad circumstances. Fourteen nothing right out of the gate. Yeah. I mean, just snap your fingers and it's fourteen nothing, and it's right. It's human nature for them to take some plays off or avoid some injuries. And where it really stood out to me was a screen pass to Jarek McKinnon that becomes a forty-one yard play, or I guess it was a wheel route becomes a forty-one yard play, and there was one of the Bengals players who had a clear chance to tackle McKinnon and kind of said, nah, I'm going to take the long <laughs> way around, made no effort whatsoever to slam on the brakes and get back into the play. I don't get the feeling, Courtney, that we're going to see that so much against the Packers in part because they always want to beat the Vikings and it is a rivalry and they could play a little bit of spoiler. And the other part of it is just, it's a national TV game. It's Chris Collinsworth's going to be there and, I don't think anybody ever wants to embarrass themselves on national TV. And what you, the game you were talking about with Tampa Bay and Atlanta, Tampa Bay played that like it was a playoff game. They were really going for yeah, it. Yeah, especially that game. in the fourth quarter. Like that came. I mean, watching that game and watching what was it the the blocked field goal there in the second half, I was like, man, like we actually have something here. When people say that there's nothing to play for, like. I think you can honestly only give that to teams that are in a situation like the Browns. But even then, you're still playing. I mean, I think it's already – it's basically been determined they're getting the, the one seed. I mean, excuse me, they're getting the top overall pick. Mm-hmm. You're playing for something like that, though. Even when – I just don't buy it when people say there's nothing to play for. There's always something. There's always, you know, a personal attainable goal. And if you're a fringe player, you better play in those games. Adam Thielen had a great point when I asked him about that yesterday. Um, and, and I think it makes sense coming from a guy like him four years ago was a practice squad player to Did now. Did he um, come from Mankato? Is that where? I think that's I think that's right. I think they had a graphic or mentioned something on that on the broadcast maybe six weeks ago. Did, did you know he was undrafted, too? Really? Like, he um, <laughs> he actually came here as a tryout guy. Oh? Wasn't, you know, an invite tryout guy. Yeah, that, it's pretty pretty remarkable story. I don't know if you've done your research, but I would go back and look that up. You know, I might try to do some sort of feature story on that I think that um, it definitely has not been done. It is definitely new news. So, uh, to your point, I think it's very much team to team. Uh, you have uh, the Browns, for example, are a younger team or have a lot of guys there that could be a part of their future and probably would want to not go 0-16 and also want to make impressions to try and earn more playing time or keep their jobs. Cincinnati is a the, the perfect storm for a team giving up. Their coach is leaving. They've got a lot of older players. The younger players that they have on there are not capable at all. Like we saw, Hardy Nickerson Jr. stood out to me as someone who just couldn't be on the field at this point in his career, just did not belong out there. And he's so he's trying, but he's too bad Mm -hmm. to succeed. And then you have other players who are under contract and who have been there to watch this collapse. And it's just like an all time low morale. I think with the Packers, there would be some inspiration to keep trying to play hard in this game. Now, the question is whether they will also be inspired to try to injure Anthony Barr. What is your take on this? Because Judd, as we know how Judd can be, is very excited about this particular storyline. <laughs> He's excited about seeing a potential yeah. injury. Well, he, he believes that the Green Bay Packers will try to be a little extra aggressive and possibly hurt Anthony Barr. What is your take? Headhunting happens, but refs can spot that sometimes before it's too late, but sometimes they can get it 
before as it's happening when they see stuff getting chippy when they see the way guys are tackling if it's maybe borderline you know whistle being blown i think that this more than anything this game is going to rely on the refs to keep it as clean as possible this this whole thing last 10 weeks the vikings have been like hey it's 10 weeks get over it the packers have been like you wrecked our season and when we say they it's not necessarily coming from the players. That's the thing. Like the whole narrative, if you will, has been spun by both fan bases, but the players have brought the fan bases into it. Anthony Barr, to you know, his credit has dealt with a lot of crap, and it's a lot of it undeserved. It was ruled illegal hit. Yes, Mike McCarthy in the days leading after it, I believe it was that Tuesday or the Monday or the Tuesday after the game called an illegal hit. That lights your fan base on fire. Then you start then Anthony, then you start seeing the death threat messages and I hope you tear your ACL. I hope you die on the field was one that he retweeted. That sucks. But he's bringing the fan base into this like and it's almost kind of that's why it's becoming, you know, it's a bigger it's a bigger discussion of social media. The fans have never been closer to the players than they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not sending packages here with hate mail in and I I used to get those in Mississippi, probably because Mississippi's a little backwards, a little behind on the times, but were they well written messages? I got one from a former veteran um, who claimed that, you know, just it, it was actually like a former, uh, I think, a Vietnam veteran who would just send me, like, take my articles and, like, cross out the faces of the quarterback. It was actually kind of some, like, really sadistic stuff. Like, be like, you guys focus too much on quarterbacks, like, and would write stuff. And, yeah, like, came very close to calling Homeland Security because that felt like a threat. But, anyway, <laughs> reverting back to the point about Anthony Barr, do I think he's going to go in there with a target on his back? Yes. Do I think guys are going to be out to try to tear his ACL, you know, hit him, give him a concussion. They know – if I'm a player, I don't want to lose any money. I don't want to get fined for an illegal hit to the head or an illegal uh, – the you know, the hit that was on Devontae Adams last week. I mean, that's expensive. I don't want I don't want that. That's why when you see guys getting a roughing the passer like Tom Johnson in I believe the Baltimore game, you see him on TV looking like, man, like he knows he's out 20 grand. That sucks. Like so, you know, I – I don't think – I think it's going to be more from the fans. Like, you just hope that nobody throws beer bottles, nobody throws, um, you know, stuff onto the field. And if they do, that they're contained um, from doing that. Because I've been to a – I've covered a lot of Raiders games, you know, over the last year. And honestly, I can say that that's where that fan base gets the negative – you know, the negative spotlight on because that stuff happens often. That is a very real fact about that fan base. And, you know – you hope that that doesn't happen in Green Bay. I think that would be my biggest concern, too. I, probably the thing that no one in Green Bay would be willing to say is that they would have done the same thing if it was the opposing team's quarterback as Anthony Barr. It was a legal hit. He was in, yes, he was in the process of throwing an incomplete pass. Thank you, Michael Bennett. But, like, it's, it was a legal hit. That's bottom line. Like, let's stop going back and talking about, you know, yes, he rolled out of the pocket and all this stuff. He was, it was within grounds. It was not an illegal hit. It happens. Stuff happens. Football is a dangerous game. As Everson Griffin says, 100% injury rate happens. And, and I don't think this is like hockey where you hit somebody six months ago and then you're going to have some sort of designed fight in the middle or something like that. I mean, they've gotten rid of a lot of that in hockey, but that used to really be the thing is there would be just retribution fights and stuff like that. I, mm-hmm. I just, 
I think football is mostly beyond that. And then if somebody gets a chance to block Anthony Barr and take him all the way to the ground and finish that block, sure. then they're going to do it. But I, I don't think that they're going to start taking shots at Case Keenum. When Case Keenum moves outside the pocket and throws the ball, there are times where he gets hit after releasing the ball too, just like every other quarterback mm-hmm. in the NFL. This one was just the only question was, did Anthony Barr really have to drop his entire weight on Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers or not? But, you know, also Anthony Barr was criticized by his head coach the year before for having a tendency to coast. coast yeah, right and, around now. And on that play, if you're Mike Zimmer, maybe you're like, good job. I yeah. mean, you, you played all the way through as opposed to just giving him a little shove. And when it's Vikings-Packers, you're going to do that to one of the league's best quarterbacks. And that's not to say that they don't have a beef because their season got ruined. It's just, I think from a player's perspective, inside the Packers locker room, my guess would be there's a handful of guys who are like, yeah, I'm going to get them. And there are probably other guys who go, I would have done the same thing. And, and players are going to think what they want. You know, There are a lot of people, players in that locker room, I'm sure, who think Anthony Barr is a dirty player. Same thing happened in the Western Conference Finals this year where Zaza Pachulia, Bruce Bowen, Kawhi Leonard, and you know, thus re-spraining the, re-spraining the bad ankle. You hear Greg Popovich go off on this just – unbelievably just dumb rant and basically like say it was i remember i was there i was listening to him and i was just like are you kidding me like it was like almost like staged like let's ignite something here and then zaza has a target on his back but you never really saw that manifest itself has he had a reputation in the nba as being a a really dirty player yeah it's followed him when he was in dallas it followed him to the warriors that's a reputation. That's where it stops. You weren't seeing players going out and trying to retaliate. And because there are a lot more ramifications for doing that than what Anthony Barr did with it, which was within the legal grounds. And op- opinions are going to stay the same. We saw Mike McCarthy yesterday uh, kind of backtrack with what he said. You know, it's within the grounds of aggressiveness or whatever he, however he phrased it. He would have come up with some very football y sounding term for that. Yeah. He's the most football guy that's ever footballed. There are few. There are few. Yeah. I think he's, Don. He's I think Don Capers would probably out football him. Oh, I've never talked to Don Capers. Does he have the football voice? He's got he's, McCarthy has that football voice. Yeah, he definitely. I think Capers from the press conferences I've seen. Um, you know the availability this week. He's definitely a football guy. Well, anyway, sports has changed a lot though when it comes to this stuff. Mm-hmm. In basketball, back in the day. Knicks Pacers or Pistons Bulls like there would have been fist fights in every yeah. single game over something like you're talking about and now that just doesn't happen at all if a couple of guys shove each other they get thrown out of the game in hockey the fighting has been 90% eliminated from what it used to be even when I started covering minor league hockey seven or eight years ago to what it is now i mean there's to be three four fights a game and now you'd be surprised if you see a fight you'd be like oh wow they're they're doing this huh and a lot of times the referees will break that up i think it's the same thing with these bounties and stuff like that Mm -hmm. like i'm sure it's possible that it exists still but i get the idea that it isn't anywhere near what it used to be and maybe maybe it's just one of those things they do a much better job of keeping quiet i don't know but I, i think a lot of the the new generation of players has moved much toward let's play the game as cleanly as we can because the hits like the one that took out Devontae Adams used to happen in every game all the time and Mike Zimmer talked about this week the throws over Mm -hmm. the middle 
Steve Atwater, Ronnie Lott taking people's heads off. That doesn't happen anymore. I think there's an honest attempt from NFL players now to play the game without hurting each other. So then when someone does something dirty, it's surprising. But I think in this case, they'll probably look at Anthony Barr as, we're going to play him hard, but we're not going to try and take out his knees. I would say this, though. If the game gets at all out of hand, like take Anthony Barr out. Just in case. Mitigate the situation because there's obviously, you know, when we talked with Stefan Diggs about this, about is there any concern over retribution, over retaliation? There's going to be beefed up security, both from, I would assume, from the Lambeau side and you darn sure that the Vikings are going to be taking whatever cautions they need because they're, they're, they're not uh, ignorant to the situation. They know that alcohol and fans sometimes don't yield the most positive results. Um, I think that's the first thing you're concerned about. Um, in terms of the players, not that in the NFL at least, like you're not seeing – you know, the major guys are going to have their endorsement deals. Like, I don't know what if Anthony Barr has any sort of endorsement deals, but guys have, like, lesser-known ones. Maybe you're sponsored by, you know, a, a muscle milk drink company. Not, like, muscle milk itself, but um, maybe you're sponsored by small things. Guys don't want to lose those. And if you're painted as a dirty player, that affects your reputation. I think Anthony Barr has handled this whole situation the best way he could and not getting angry at the at the notion that was painted of him. He hasn't snapped at any interviews. He has he's answered every question. Um, you know, that's why you see the truly dirty players getting really irritated about it and getting and getting cranky when people call them out for it because they're probably losing value in terms of their overall brand. That's something that I think you have to factor in here. Guys don't want to lose potential other money-making resources for themselves or other opportunities because of stuff that happens on the field. Like, and, you know, God bless the targeting rule in college football. I think that that has kind of been a little abused because we've seen it in circumstances this season. I know the Ohio State game was one um, where it's almost like they're calling everything that's in that general vicinity targeting. But the NFL, you know, for, for some of these hits, at least at least with – you know, the catch rule is its own bag of fun and problems. But I think they've been at least privy to the fact that they've been taking these a lot more seriously. I just wish that they would stand up to the suspensions. And everybody's appealing. I mean, Andrew Sandejo got his he, – he had the one-game suspension this year. I believe Danny Trevathan's was knocked down from two to one game. Whatever the suspension is, yes, you can you can fight it. I, w- I wish the NFL would hold its, up its end on it because I think you come off as soft when you these are serious. We're talking about CTE all the time in this game, and if you're trying to prevent hit blows and vicious blows like that, you need to stand up for something because I think that people are there are too many loopholes in guys getting away with hits like this. Where they made suspension. a really big mistake was the Rob Gronkowski yes. WWE move. Because now everybody can go back to that same play and say, wait a minute, you're going to suspend me two games, but you only suspended him one? And it's a good argument. I mean, if you're Thomas Davis, you're like, oh, that isn't even close to a guy doing something that should put you in jail. I mean, what what Gronkowski did was one of the dirtiest hits that I've seen in 10 years. I mean, a guy just running over and smashing someone into the ground way, way and after having, the play was done. And having the, the time to think about it, you saw him there pause and then throw his right shoulder, in his, which led the whole body 
into him when he's on the ground and his head was turned. You could snap someone's neck. I'm not trying to get dramatic, but the way that he was laying on the ground there and his head was already cocked to the left. Go back and look at it. That could snap someone's That could really cause damage. And the fact that that was knocked down, I think, is just despicable. Like, that's... That's wrong because that, that it, the, the precedent that's set right now is you can you can screw up you can do stupid things but you can also like we're going to lessen your punishment because it's the NFL like come yeah. on and there's a, a huge difference between doing what Anthony Barr did which was not punishable but finishing a play or even just making a mistake Laquan Treadwell crack back blocked yeah. a guy that he could have gotten suspended for he did the same thing he that got a big Juju pe- he got a Schuster big did. fine for it oh did he yeah. what was the fine I want to say remember. <sighs> I asked Zimmer about it because I'm like, is there, you're, are you trying to, with guys like him, you know, he's young, he's a second year player. Um, are you trying to tell them to, to hold back a little bit? But, you know, he's trying to finish the play there on the, on the block. It was in the Green Bay game. Yes. Um, can't remember what the fine was, but I do remember he was. So like 20000 Probably. Yes, like yeah. he was fine for it. And yeah, that was exactly like the Smith, the Smith Schuster thing. But he, you know, the, call it evenly i that one when you went back and watched it, it looked a lot worse but as aggressive as treadwell was playing in that game i think that that was what it was a product of he wasn't viciously trying to hurt anybody but i and mean that's a, and on a play like that you are being aggressive as laquan treadwell like you said and you're trying to be the guy who blocks people because you sure aren't making a whole lot of catches right i mean and he's done a good job at that uh, but at the same time, you know, you, you cross the line. As the NFL, you could understand how that would happen. Like, okay, this is a guy trying to make a big play, trying to spring a big play for his team, and he crosses the line, so you get penalized. And then there's the complete other side of it where guys just do dirty things, which happens a whole lot less than it used to because of the harsh penalties. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, it really does work when you penalize these guys, and that's why the Gronk thing was so offensive to only have it one game is do you remember when they first started to implement some of these rules and we heard all the players go, Oh, why don't you put skirts on them? You know, right. <laughs> it was just like, Oh, we're going to be out there playing in tutus. And you know what though? The league is so much safer now. And what have fans missed? The, the game is just as popular as it ever was. You have a handful of people who say, Oh, it's not yeah. as tough as it was when I was growing up. Well, congratulations. But they were uh, also not playing with face masks at that <laughs> yeah, point. Right. But, but, but I think, it, I think it's really worked. And so in, in the case of like the Gronkowski hit, if you suspend that for the rest of the regular season, it sends the message that anything after the play like that is not going to be accepted. Mm-hmm. And if there was one reason to be concerned a little bit for Anthony Barr with at least the Packers players, it's that play. It's that anybody who were to take a shot at Anthony Barr after the play is going to get one game max. And depending on how rich that player is, they might be like, good, I'll take week 17 off. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. what you would be concerned about. Two things. Laquan Treadwell, shout out to Judd here because this was his guy. He was fined $24,309 for the illegal blindside block on Lindsey Pepkins. That's Judd's guy. Remember, he was like, who is this? When he, because they were down. They had no cornerback depth at that point. That's like their third string guy. Um, the second thing, you brought up Mike, what Mike Zimmer said yesterday and you know about this rule and I remember that it was somewhere around like week 10 or 11. Can't remember who came out with it, but relying on the quarterback 
to not throw these balls over the middle because if you're on a crossing route and you don't see that safety, that single high guy coming in towards you, like what more? I mean, and you're trying to complete a play. You've got a corner following you. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, I think that there is an argument there. I get what Mike was saying because I'm sure a lot of defensive guys probably are like, huh, he's got a really good point there. Like, you know, he's obviously a defensive guy, but I don't know if you blame the quarterback for throwing the ball like there. Because, I mean, he's obviously got his pre-snap read. He knows where his safeties are and he knows what potentially could happen. But, you know, that that is something I think – could open a larger door, a larger conversation of where those throws happen, because as we've seen these happen this season, a lot of them have been over the middle of the field. I don't think those throws are going anywhere because yeah. they're just so effective. I mean, it's the, the Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski thing of that skinny post right mm-hmm. in front of the safety, and you know that back in the day you would have had the safety just take his head off, that that mm-hmm. would have been the best option. And now, since the safety isn't allowed to target his head, he's got to try to make a play on the ball, but you can throw it in front of him to a giant man who's going to be able to reach up and and catch it. And, I mean, the Vikings last week, a good example, that's Stephon Diggs' touchdown. I mean, he does the skinny post right in front of the safety, and the safety kind of took a shot at the end, but not really. He didn't go all out. Back in the day... The quarterback does not throw that ball, mm-hmm. and that if he does, that safety is taking out Stephon Diggs. He's just going right for his head, and he's going to knock him out. And that does allow the, the quarterbacks to basically throw wherever they want to. And sometimes, like Mike Zimmer is talking about, it puts that safety in a very difficult spot, especially if the receiver has to go down to a knee to adjust to the ball. Like I mean, the things are happening so fast. If you're a safety lining up to try and tackle him, He might adjust at the end, and you might just have that hit. But I think the league has to do everything it possibly can to protect the receivers at this point Mm -hmm. because, well, you want as much offense as you could possibly have. You mentioned the NBA. I mean, don't we enjoy this era of offense in the NBA, watching the Houston Rockets put up 80 points in a half or something like that? Well, part of that is because they just allow the offenses to to do what they want, that they Mm -hmm. don't allow as physical a defense as they used to. So it's kind of part of sports that we have to accept. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a great answer. It's kind of like the catch rule and holding and a number of other things in football. There's never going to be a perfect answer to how we can make it safe but also make it fair for those safeties. So you have to ask them to just play the ball or just try to tackle the guy but also try not to take out his knees. It's a a very difficult position. Um, Speaking of safeties... There is a safety for the Minnesota Vikings who was noticeably left off the Pro Bowl roster, which might be the worst snub that I've ever seen in my life in any Pro Bowl, All-Star game, anything. I agree. Anthony Harris was, he robbed. J-Ron Curse has been the best (laughs) gunner in the NFL this year. I'm telling you. Did you see his celebration last week? He was jacked up. He was having fun. But anyways, you're right. I mean... When I saw the list come out and you so snarkily, when I tweeted, hey, it's coming up soon, I was just letting the people know that if they wanted to watch the NFL Network, who's technically my direct competitor, they can go watch it. But no, um, when, when we saw immediately that those four, and, and hats off to you know Anthony Barr, Everson Griffin, Rhodes, and, and Thielen for making it, there was a giant hole missing there from Harrison Smith. That was... Quite possibly the worst snub, I think, in Pro Bowl history. He's number one safety in the league 
He's been the number one safety in the league. He's been a pro bowler before. I know this to a degree is a popularity contest because of the voting, but there's no way. This is wrong. Like it, it is one of the worst I've ever seen. And it's on a team that's eleven and three, who wins their division. <laughs> I mean, number three what? passing defense in the NFL. Like they've allowed thirteen touchdowns for thirteen passing touchdowns this season. Like, and he's a huge part of that of that level. And I, I just, I, I'm honestly at a loss for words for it because it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And I know. Yeah, they want to be playing in the Super Bowl in, in during that week, you know, that January 28th or whatever. They wouldn't be able to go anyways. But that's still, for a player, That's I just think it's wrong. Wrong would be the best way to describe it. To have a guy playing at the level he's playing this year, which is, I think, the best of his career. And I wrote an article a couple of weeks ago that he was making a case for defensive yep. MVP of the whole league. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I would 100% stand by that because I... Uh, got some more in-depth statistics from Pro Football Focus on all the different places he lines up as an outside linebacker, as a slot corner, what he does in coverage, the numbers throwing into his coverage, opposing quarterbacks of having no success whatsoever. He's got against Green Bay the last time he faced them. He picked up the two sacks or one and a half, mm-hmm. and uh, he had an interception in that game. How about the Chicago game where he wins it himself at the end by picking off uh, Mitch Trubisky. And it's not even just that. It's how about the Rams game where all his pre-snap stuff totally threw off Jared Goff at the line of scrimmage. And I think he was the main reason that they were able to dominate the Rams that day. And in my mind, the defense all starts with Harrison. And if we were talking about who is the MVP of the Minnesota Vikings this year, my vote goes for Harrison Smith which just shows you how far off the Pro Bowl voters really were. I gave, I think we did our midseason report, I gave my um, my Vikings defensive MVP to Everson Griffin, or I might have given it to Linville. Regardless, as the season's gone on, I've 100% flipped to Harrison Smith. I don't think that there's a more important and more versatile player on this defense. And if you want to give it to... I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's not the flashiest player. I, I don't know what what the, what the holdup is because we see him every single week. We see him up close, um, and obviously we're around this team so much. I just I'm trying to wonder where the national perspective that you know. I don't know. Like, what what do people want out of a safety? I mean, not everybody's going to be Sean Taylor out there. It's a different era. It's a different game where you know you're not having this smash mouth style. I mean, he's so versatile that he can play so many positions in the back seven. That I think you know. I mean, obviously, you see him just at that one, but he, as you said, he can you know move up and play linebacker. He can do a lot. I I don't know where the holdup is, and that's one thing I'd love to discuss because that concerns me uh, that people are just not appreciating how good this guy is. If he didn't have any of the box score stats, I would get it. Like, if he didn't have picks, if he didn't have sacks, he's also tied with Xavier Rhodes and passes defended. I mean... He's the Rhodes of the the safeties. I mean, as you mentioned, nobody's throwing at him. I think that that gets overlooked in the whole, you know, because... For for a guy who doesn't just play his side of the field, as in Xavier Rhodes, you've got to commend him for that. I mean, he's shadowing top receivers and shutting all of them down except for Marvin Jones. 
you know, maybe that's maybe that's what's tripping people up because there's already a guy who's getting that headline, maybe even taking it away from Harrison Smith. It could be, but I mean, all those guys made the Pro Bowl last year, so yeah. that, I mean, that's what throws me off. And it's not like Anthony Barr has big sack numbers either. Barr's been good, uh, but I don't think relative to what they've meant to the team, Barr is, has been as valuable as Harrison Smith because I wouldn't say that anyone has. Um, and and also you could talk about the. If you take a guy away from the team, what do they look like without him? Anthony Harris did a nice job when he filled in for Anderson Dejo. Nobody is replacing what Harrison Smith can do on this defense. And, that, I mean, that's another major part of it. But maybe it does have something to do with just, I don't know, they had so many pro bowlers, they had so many last year, they didn't want to stack the team. Or it's just that the voting system is idiotic. I mean, Giving players a vote on this is so absurd. Like, we were standing there. I, th- I think it was you that might have been pointing this out to me or someone else, that when NFL Network came in to do their top 100 list, one of the practice squad players who was voting, um, which, by the way, what would that player know about <laughs> playing against anybody, um, Put just put his teammates. He just put, like, Everson Griffin number one and Linval Joseph number two. And just, like, just all of his teammates as the top hundred players in the NFL and turned it in. And so, I mean, probably you have a lot of guys on teams who just write down their teammates. Some who think about it, some don't, some practice squad guys voting, apparently, you know, coaches who only played this player, that player, and then fans who don't watch every team's game all the time. They usually watch their own team. And of course they don't go back and watch the game tape. And I think with a safety especially someone like Harrison Smith, until you watch the coach's tape, you don't really realize it because what you see, just for example, is Matt Ryan takes the snap, he drops back, and he hesitates. Why is he hesitating? I don't know. And then he gets sacked or gets pressured by Everson Griffin. When you look at the game tape, then you see, oh, Matt Ryan made a read at the snap right before the snap, and then things changed with Harrison Smith, and all of a sudden he couldn't throw it there. That's not something that's going to show up in the box score. Well, yeah, and it's a, that's if you're. I'm not trying to like say anything, but if you're asking a basic fan, they're not pause. They're not. They're not on game. Mm, Courtney thinks she's better than you. Everyone. No, I don't. But I mm-hmm. mean, you're not. You're not watching like the coach's film and the high angle and seeing. Right. You know, you're not seeing all that stuff. Um, that's why I think it gets overlooked, just because he's not the flashiest safety. I mean, I think Earl Thomas probably is, and so is Malcolm Jenkins. Like, I mean, you know, the guys who got in, who else got in over him? Um, I was looking at the list earlier. Landon oh. Collins. Like, I get it. All good. All good Very, players. Yeah, nothing taken away from their game. But he's the most – Harrison is the most impressive and important player on the number two defense in the NFL, and he doesn't get in. Yeah, that's lost, another thing. Lost I mean, if, words. If their defense had just been okay or something, then I would understand. But, I mean, we've already spent too much time talking about a Pro Bowl vote anyway, but that one just blew my mind. What do you think the future of the Pro Bowl is? Do we just keep every year talking about how silly it is and how dumb of a game it is and how bad the voting is? I mean, because these things, when you get to Hall of Fame, People say, "Ah, oh, who cares? Doesn't matter. Harrison will just be motivated." Uh, well, they first, mention your yes, ten-time Pro Bowler, exactly. Like, blah blah blah. It goes That's, into the conversation, and it you know incentives for guys in their contracts. Obviously, um, it's not a huge thing. He's twenty million dollar player, so um, give or take, you know. But I think that it's important. You know, I think it's 
the the thing that stresses me out with the and, and I don't know when you would do it, but given the landscape of the schedule in the NFL and given just the physicalness of the sport, it's it's the only sport of the major four that has their all-star game after the season's been over and before their big championship. Every other, you know, baseball happens in July. NBA all-star games, like the third weekend in February. When does hockey happen? Help me here. Oh, it's the same thing. Same thing as basketball, middle of the season. I think that that's why the voting is different. Um, I'm sure that that plays some role into it and where, you know, it doesn't hold as much weight in those other sports. Like, yeah, you can say, yeah, I'm an all-star, whatever. Like, and I'm not taking anything away from that. I think it holds more weight because of when it happens here. And a lot of these guys that, you know, are pro bowlers are in the best career years of their lives. Look at, look at Adam Thielen. Look at, look at Everson Griffin. Those are two, and, and even Rhodes. Those are three examples of that. Um, I wouldn't say Barr is in a career year right now. I think 2014, I still like think of that as like the best, but, um, I just, I or excuse, yeah, 2014. 2015. 15, sorry, 14 and 15. I forgot what year it was. Yeah, I thought it was 2016 all of a sudden. He, he was, I knew he that was sounded good wrong. You um, couldn't have messed that up unless you said 2016. Yeah, because, but last year he made it. Yeah, and he had a really down year. <laughs> Even his head coach yes. acknowledged that he was down and he made it anyway. Now, what about that for an idea for the Pro Bowl? Uh, either have a more detailed voting system that isn't doesn't include fans who just vote for their players and players um, coaches I think is tough because they focus so much on those opponents they're not going hey uh, maybe you know I should just randomly watch tape on this guy to see if I want to vote they don't have time for that right they don't have time to they watch the national games and that's about it so you get done with your game you go home you watch the Sunday night game somebody stands out to you hey they're a pro bowler that's it and that's probably how they determine it outside of their uh, opponents. What about a week 10 or 12 Pro Bowl to make it matter a little bit more, to make it a little more fun and give teams a week off as they go into the final stretch? That might be somewhat of an idea to add some relevance to it. Yeah, I just, but I can see coaches, executives, teams being like, we do not want players injured in this game. Like,. What's the, can you think of an injury that's happened in the NBA, NHL, or MLB All Star Game that's been like a career or you know season ending? It would happen. It would inevitably happen in one of these games. Like exhibition style play in football does not work in the middle of the season. Yeah. Like no, an exhibition, true. an exhibition style of game with exhibition like caliber, you know, preseason stuff. Like, and, it, and it doesn't work at the end of the season either because, no. I mean, once the, the the center of some team ran in for a touchdown, it's like, okay, this thing is so far jumped the shark that no one should ever watch it again. And they've tried moving it around, taking it different places, trying to incentivize it. I think really what would be fun for the Pro Bowl is to just make it into – when you were growing up, did you ever watch the all-Madden team? Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch that? Mm-hmm. Just make it into that. Just make it into the All Madden team where I loved watching. They would have like this whole special. It'd be like half hour, hour long, and you'd look forward to it the week between the final playoff games and then the Super Bowl. They would have it, and it would be fun. They would go through each player. They would show highlights. They would interview guys. They would make a big special out of it. I think that's how it should probably be. Name the team and then have analysts, have teammates, have whatever – just talk about them and, and do a big production and make that into a, a Pro Bowl show. But 
don't play the game. However, it still gets ratings. Yeah. And as long as it gets ratings, they're going to keep going on with this farce of a game. The voting system's flawed. We know that. Um, I just, I don't see realistically how it's going to change. Like, it's... Because if they do it in the, as I said, if they do it in the middle of the season, there's going to be, there would, there would never, nobody would ever agree on that. But I could see it like what you were, like the scenario you laid out. I think it would make a lot more sense. Um, the thing that was kind of surprising, not surprising, but when I saw the Saints were the first team since what, 1975 that got two running backs in. Mm-hmm. Good luck to those guys getting playing time. They don't, you think receivers want to block in this game? Heck no. This is why people throw the ball. Like, that, that is the, I would like to see the Pro, nobody watches the Pro Bowl for competition anymore. Like, there's no, that doesn't determine home field advantage. Isn't, like, that was the cool thing about baseball. That's why I used to love the, the MLB All-Star game. I'd watch, we'd always go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Sorry, I know that's like a sin in your world, Mr. Buffalo. But we'd always I, go for the uh, home. I would not say that. And if Buffalo Wild Wings wanted to advertise on our podcast, they are welcome. Contact me at. <laughs> well, we we always used to go watch the Home Run Derby, Buffalo Wild Wings. And then we'd go the next night, same place, for the All-Star game because home field advantage was in play for the World Series. I think that there needs to be some sort of, like, league tangible, um, you know, so, something that they can get out of it other than just, like, personal accolades. I would have been okay with that if they didn't demand every team got a player on it for the MLB All-Star team. It, you can't have it both ways. That's what always frustrated me. And I, and I would say with this one, too, if you incentivize the Pro Bowl and then ask for coaches to game plan and for players to play at their highest level, the football would probably be amazing, but no doubt you'd have like career and season ending injuries and, <laughs> yeah, and then be awful. the franchises would be drove uh, driven insane. It would be so cool if you gave these pro bowl teams two weeks to prepare coaches film, you know, all that stuff. But that's just not realistic at all. That's, that's a video game. That would be the other option. Make it a video game thing and have the, the two captains of the team or two best Madden players go at each other with the Pro Bowl rosters and then advertise it with the guys talking trash or something. I don't know. There's a, so you basically you're turning it into the XFL? <laughs> it sounds like that's what you're getting at. Well, I mean, or the video games that they broadcast sometimes. People think it's ridiculous, but a lot of people watch it. I mean, as long as... As long as people are going to tune in because it's football, mm-hmm. then they're going to keep it kind of the way it is. But I think that they should really be focusing on different options. And we see the other sports, the other pro sports, uh, specifically basketball and baseball, seeming to try all the time to improve things like this. Like, how can we make it better? Even if it's something silly as like baseball getting rid of the uh, intentional walk, they were like, well, that's boring. So forget that. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think football is generally pretty good at that, um, but in this case, they've sort of just shrugged their shoulders. And the said, No Fun League anyway. is good at that, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, they have, over a long period of time, adjusted to passing and offense, and that that's probably a big plus to, to them mm-hmm. because I think the other leagues have followed with that, with basketball trying to also go more toward offense, and even hockey is finally coming along this year, but... Um, Generally, I do think that they try to make the game better for fans with rule adjustments. Sometimes those rule adjustments get silly, like the catch rule. Uh, but with this Pro Bowl, it's just always been a disaster. Um, let's just swing back to Packers-Vikings for a minute here. 
Uh, Riley Reef is a possibility to go. I think, in my mind, with even the words a possibility with him, to me says, sit Riley Reef. I know you want to win these games. I know that home field, that first round bye is important, but without you're one of your most valuable players on the offensive line. I think winning in the playoffs would be extremely difficult. However long he needs, you can get by with Rashad Hill. Let him rest. Yes, that is summed it up perfectly. I mean, there's there's no more important position on that offensive line than Riley Reef. Um, I think, and that's not to take anything away from what Rashad Hill has done. I think he's done a tremendous job in the six starts that he's had, um, both you know for Mike Remmers and for Riley Reef last week. Take your time with him. You don't rush a left tackle with an ankle injury back. We did see him this week. He was, you know, limited in the two days that we did see him in practice. Um, I think questionable at that point is you're. There's not a doubt in your mind that you're starting Rashad Hill in this game. Keep it simple. Like you got you got you got two starters back. Rashad Hill has been basically your de facto starter for you know a third, if not more, of the season. I uh, can't really do math there, but um, that's it, it's a no brainer. And I know Mike, what Mike said earlier, you know, two weeks ago, if people are healthy, we're going to play him. I don't know. You know how we we don't know the severity of the ankle injury. That's the thing. Like, you know, they're the only ones who know. And clearly, it kept him out last week. You expect I expected it to be at least two to three week thing. I wouldn't be surprised if they shut him down until you know, assuming they can get that first round by. And he was still walking through the locker room with it taped up pretty good. And I I think you want that one hundred percent when you go into the playoffs if you can survive it this week. And I think we agree on this that the Vikings should do a very similar thing to what they did against Cincinnati. Maybe not as bad, but they should, especially since they're playing with something to play for, smack the Packers. Is there any chance in your mind that the Packers could win this game? And if so, tell me how that would happen. What's the scenario that the Packers somehow win this game? Well, I mean, Brett Hundley, let's... let's First off, there's no, there's not going to be any fourth and one run on the Vikings play call from your own territory. We know right, that so right at Linval, right mean? at Linval, that we know that that's not going to happen. These poor Bengals. Second of all, you know, there's going to. I wouldn't be surprised with some of the turnover that you see from this season to next season. I think Ted Thompson is. I said that right, right? His name is Ted Thompson. Yeah. Why did I, it came out of my mouth weird. Sorry. You're used to saying Teddy all the time. <laughs> Probably. Little Bear Teddy. Um, it's his book. It is. Yeah. Maybe Ted Thompson has a book, too. But <laughs> Ted we, Thompson might not have a job next year. That's we, what I'm we trying to know. get at. <laughs> like, there's, I think, I think there's going to be a lot of turnover in this. It, it kind of feels like it's been a long time coming. Um, you know, in the years since Reggie McKenzie left there, they haven't hit on a lot of defensive free agents. We talked about this last week. Like, so I anticipate there being a lot of turnover with the quarterback position, you know, from front office, I mean. But with the quarterback position, they need to find somebody who's going to be able to back up Aaron Rodgers when he comes back next week, next year. Um, Brett Hundley still wants to be that guy. He's 1-3 at home this year, I think averaging 131 yards, passing, zero touchdowns, and five interceptions. That's really bad. He's, he's got to, as Adam Thielen said, players are playing for their jobs in this game. A lot of guys, in, you have a backup guy like that who wants to stay in Green Bay and, and have this job again next year. Um, 
this is a this has absolutely got to be a game for him where he's on. The only circumstance I could see the Vikings losing, I don't think, you know, as tricky as this game was for me to pick earlier in the season, thinking, I don't know, week 16 in Green Bay, Brett Hundley, like, there's not going to be the Brett Hundley comeback kid game of the year. Um they're down Devontae Adams. Remember when Jordy Nelson was their number one receiver? Why does that feel like that was like 10 years ago? Even last year he was pretty good, but this year he seems to have hit the wall. That also happens when you have an incapable quarterback. Yeah. I, I saw some stats on that, all his yards per target, all those things. Like, uh, yeah, because Aaron Rodgers isn't playing as much. I think everybody's stats would drop. I've got one scenario where the Vikings. Wait, I, didn't, I didn't say my scenario. Oh, I'm sorry. It really isn't one, but I think that because you're not going to run on the Vikings. They didn't run on the Panthers last week. If Hunley can... If they I thought can, that was your scenario, that Hunley like, is so motivated. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fine. It kind of was, but if he can... It, they, he had three... Uh, Rodgers last week had three guys that he spread the ball out to. I think that if you get Cobb involved, if you get, you know, no Adams, so if you got to be able to get uh, Nelson involved, and I haven't seen what their injury report yields this week, but... If they can spread it out, they might be able to keep it within a two-score game. But, yeah, I, I don't see a very plausible way for an upset. Well, especially when Brett Hundley's averaging 6.3 yards per attempt, which is just, like, not 2017 numbers. Well, the Packer fans will go, oh, Case Keenum averaged 4.4 yards per attempt last week. Well, it was a different game. It was his second lowest of the season. Uh, punt return for touchdown. I mean, mm-hmm. in, all, in all seriousness... The only way that the Green Bay Packers should beat the Minnesota Vikings, that that could really happen, in my mind, is if there is some random turn of events. If there are fumbles that are picked up by a fat guy who runs it into the end zone. If there's a punt return for touchdown, kick return for touchdown, blocked punt. I mean, it is such a mismatch of talent when Aaron Rodgers isn't there to even the playing field that it's is almost as bad as Cincinnati for the mismatch of talent. And the only way that it could happen is if there's some sort of random turn of events. I mean, every once in a while, Case Keenum does make a throw that he probably shouldn't. We saw that against Cincinnati. He tried to make a Brett Favre throw in between the deep safety and the, in the corner. And it was like, okay, that is not <laughs> your throw, guy. Um, and that should have been picked off, and maybe things are a little bit different in that game if that's intercepted or take it for a pick six or something. It's going to have to take the Vikings making a lot of really big mistakes or some super randomness. A ball pops up in the air and is picked off and goes for a touchdown. But even in that situation, you could see the Vikings easily overcoming that by being so much better. Well, yeah, and w- would the Packers be in a situation, too, where they George Iloka themselves and drop that ball on an interception? Probably. There's, oh, yeah. I mean, they've their defense I don't think is very good. You just I wanted to say Iloka. Because I got it right this time. That's why. Because I couldn't figure out, I'm like, is it Ioka? Like, I mean, just I don't know what the I and the L. Like, is that silent sound? I, I don't know. But. I don't even know which is first, the I or the L, because when it's written out, <laughs> it looks like two I's or two L's. Yeah. Well, now you know. Oh, I guess but, I, yeah, I, guess I, I mean, I, the def- their defense is, is not good. And, and they've, you know, the wave of injuries that this team has on offense, I just don't think they're going to be able to overcome it. Uh, score prediction before we move along? If you'll give me one second, I'll oh, pull sure. my score prediction from earlier. I think I said 28-10. Yeah, 28-10. Vikings. Merry Christmas. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it should be just about then, and there's even a chance that we see more Teddy Bridgewater. 
I mean, I mean, I, I think that is so much of a mismatch that that is a possibility. And I could be wrong because it's football and every once in a while someone lays an egg. But we might get into the fourth quarter again where it's 28 to 10 and Bridgewater comes in and Michael Floyd drops another throw right at him. <laughs> you never know. It's going to be so cold on Saturday night. They might just run the ball 70 times. That is also possible. No, it's not. Sure it is. This, this, is, this is not set, set the record for rushes. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Is it going to be cold? I haven't heard anyone ask anyone Man, questions here at Winter Park this yeah. week about it being cold. Did you know they're playing on natural grass too? Like really? it's a little, you know, it's a little softer. We uh, still have that at Lambeau, huh? Yeah, you know Lambeau's outside, right? It is in Green Bay. Whose idea was that? That's what I thought. And Ben Gessling uh, from the Star Tribune and I were arguing Never about this yesterday. That. You know, domes didn't come in till I know I know Lambo was built a long time ago, and domes weren't really introduced for a while thereafter. Who did, well, you know, build a big field house in whatever year that Lambo Field was like? Why why was that like not the concept? I mean, because it was it wasn't as big as it is now. Clearly, they've had renovations. Like, who thought, hey, this is Green Bay, Wisconsin, outdoor stadium? Why couldn't we try to be innovative and think of a way to make this, you know, to to mitigate the 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 cold. I mean, it's not fun playing games there where it's that cold. I don't care what any player says. Oh yeah, we love it. You know, building character. Nobody likes being miserable. I think um, Green Bay fans would probably tell you the same thing. A lot of Buffalo fans say when they talk about that possibility is that it gives them some type of advantage. Oh come which on! It clearly yeah, doesn't. surely it's really worked in Buffalo all these years. <laughs> yeah, I know that was ketchup and mustard too. man might agree with you, yeah. but I don't think normal people will. Yeah, jumping into uh, the flaming tables and so forth. Yeah, no, it, it hasn't worked out well for them, and I totally agree. Most of the players are from Texas, Florida, and California, so they're all really cold when they come to Green Bay or Buffalo. But you were asking. Lambeau Field to invent technology that didn't exist. So I think it's that's not, a big ask. It's not inventing technology. You can build a really big house. Back. What year was it built? Do we know? What did he, 52 or something? Okay, like yeah, it's somewhere. There were really big houses back then. Not football stadium sized houses. Well, figure it out to build a gigantic <laughs> field house type building. Yeah, you're right. They let the Astrodome have all the fame. I'm not going to let what this one go. And, you know, it's going to be freezing, but. You know, that's the Vikings. I like that the Vikings didn't practice out, like practice indoors on Thursday just because it, you need to squash this narrative that these players have never been cold before. Come on. And I love Linval's. Like, I'm wearing sleeves. I wear sleeves every week. I'm going to wear them when I'm in Green Bay. It's not this tough guy. I think you see it more with a lot of offensive linemen who don't wear sleeve because it makes them tough. See, but I think it makes you look insecure. I think like, oh, I, I got to show off. It makes your skin look very chapped. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're Linval, you're like, who do I have to prove my toughness to? Yeah. I'm Linval. I'm a beast. I will rip you in half. Right. Exactly. Just by looking at you. He doesn't have to show anybody. They know. Yeah, they know. Um, but yeah, the cold narrative got to go. That's like if you're a big, giant, tough guy, and you've got like one of those little tiny dogs, and you're like, say something about it. I like this dog. <laughs> And that's yep. a great place to end the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> if you're going to Green Bay, uh, wave at us in the press box, and you're also insane. So have fun. And uh, we will talk to you again following Vikings and Packers. Good day. Merry Christmas. Bye. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, 
or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.